This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. The Noon Business Hour presented by the Village of Bedford Park. There's a development involving Elon Musk and Twitter. We'll update that in our next segment. But right now, home prices and job openings lead today's data. We're joined by Matt Matigan, CEO of Blue World Asset Managers based in Chicago. Find the blog blueworldam.com. Matt, thanks for joining us today. There are still a lot of dramatic swings in the economy, even as we try to find this uh, post-COVID or uh, endemic equilibrium uh, after all the uh, shutdowns of two years ago. And uh, nowhere are the dramatics more the are the swings in the economy uh, more stark and more dramatic than in the world of housing prices, where you can see uh, decade-long drops or decade decade uh, uh, decade or record drops, but at the same time have homeowners sitting on a record amount of equity. Yeah, there's, uh, there are a lot of dynamics that play here, and it seems like every day uh, we get more monkey wrenches thrown into the mix. And uh, the cracks in real estate started showing up earlier this year, and they've really accelerated lately. For example, the, the Blue World Economic Index, which I've discussed before, follows 10 reports each month and the last two coming in this morning uh, brought in all 10 at negative results for the month. So it, there, there are a lot of dynamics at play, and unfortunately, they're, they're pushing us the wrong direction right now. While uh, the uh, pace of home price acceleration uh, slowed down and possibly stopped uh, between May and July, at least as of June, uh, the typical home price was or home value was 18% higher than it was this time last year. Now, is this a function of what goes up must come down? Is this a function of higher mortgage rates? or is this simply a case of there are just no longer any houses to sell? It's all of the above, of course, and the rapid acceleration in Fed policy, uh, driving rates, driving mortgage rates. Uh, you, you can tie the success of the real estate market pretty directly to the cost of the mortgages and even following the number of mortgage and refi applications. And that's a report that comes out weekly uh, is also tracking with the rest of the reporting and everything you mentioned are direct contributors. And when you bring them all together and they're all pointing south, uh, then you're going to get a move down. And, you know, that's that's the oldest adage, right? High prices cure high prices. 
The job market continues to defy gravity. Does that make things more difficult for the Federal Reserve and for policymakers trying to uh, make decisions uh, based on numbers that uh, don't really have a whole lot of precedent in history? Well, I'm one of those voices that's going to say that uh, for all we're hearing about the great labor market, it's the labor market is not strong right now. Uh, what we are experiencing is not job growth. What we're experiencing is job replacement following the pandemic, and that replacement isn't even complete yet. So as people are getting back to work and the employment numbers are rising, the size of the labor market is absolutely stagnant. And you can see that reflected in today's JOLTS report. And that's the number of quits uh, starting. That That's slowing down. Um, uh, as, as, as you said, the job market uh, is starting to slow down as well. Matt Matigan, CEO of Blue World Asset Managers based in Chicago. You'll find the blog, blueworldam.com. Coming up, the latest on Twitter and Elon Musk. Money Talks, as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Elon Musk has filed another notice to terminate his acquisition of Twitter. Let's get the latest now from Angelo Zeno, Senior Industry Analyst at CFRA Research based in New York. Angelo, thanks for joining us today. It sounds like Elon Musk wants to uh, talk to the Twitter whistleblower who came out with uh, a number of allegations last week. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. And, and listen, I can't blame him, right? I mean, you look at the allegations that came out um, last week uh, by Peter Zacko, and he was a former uh, security chief there. And, you know, listen, uh, he's accusing the company of, a, of kind of misleading federal re- regulators about kind of how they handled um, box fake accounts. Um, and listen, that that's kind of right up of right up Musk's kind of um, issue here with Twitter. And, you know, there, there's clearly a number of issues um, you know, that the whistleblower kind of, um, you know, a, a accused um, Twitter of, but I'd say kind of, you know, one of the things that, that really we kind of looked at is is the fact that, um, you know, he is essentially saying that executives kind of look to or receive bonuses um, tied to um, user growth um, and weren't penalized or kind of, you um, uh, you know, encouraged to reduce kind of the, the fake accounts or bots um, at the end of the day, that really kind of, um, you know, works in Elon Musk's favor ahead of this case here. Elon Musk wanted to walk away from this deal. Is this a case of uh, of, of due diligence or is this a case of uh, Musk was looking for a pretense and then got very lucky when this whistleblower came forward? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think... Um, kind of going into this, right? I mean, and we have a, a legal account here on our end, and um, they essentially gave very high probabilities at the at the time, um, a couple of weeks ago, about 85% probability that Musk was going to win one way or another um, at the end of the day here. And um, really the only way that, that Musk had a, a fighting chance here was through some kind of discovery process. And, um, you know, thankfully in his case, this kind of came out um, and really is working in his favor. Now, I don't, we, we don't necessarily think that this necessarily changes the outcome here, but it does give Musk some additional, um, you know, power or, or um, kind of a, at least some, some sort of, um, you know, a, a ability to kind of fight in this case and um, provide some sort of leverage if he's looking for potentially a settlement at the end of the day 
whereas maybe he, he can get something more than a 5 to 10% discount, which is what we think Twitter would have agreed upon. Maybe it's something closer to 15 to 20% now. So at the end of the day, this definitely works in his favor and gives him some leverage. What happens to Twitter if these allegations from the whistleblower are true and are proven? Uh, because Twitter, it punches above its weight because it's where the media and the politicians hang out. But uh, as far as user, user growth is concerned, it lags far behind uh, Facebook and TikTok. I mean, is this going to be an emperor has no clothes moment for Twitter? Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, tr- Twitter has um, a number of issues out there. And listen, at the end of the day, the, the, the fake bot account issue um, is definitely something that kind of hovers a- around the entire social media space. But the problem is, um, it's a bigger issue for Twitter than for others because of how they've handled situations and the fact that they just haven't poured as much money into trying to tackle the issue as maybe some other um, social media companies out there have. Um, but, yeah, I mean, maybe to your point here, um, if if this ends up kind of, um, you know, it, it, if Elon Musk somehow kind of um, gets his way here and, and wins this, um, this is a company that we think is probably worth at best $26 a share on a standalone basis and probably worth even less than that after the most recent earnings results. And uh, it sounds like uh, you're not going to have a buy recommendation on their stock. <laughs> we're not going to have a buy recommendation. We do have a hold recommendation. And to be honest with you, I mean, we're very hard pressed to make a conviction call um, on the on Twitter shares right now, just given the uncertain, uncertainties um, as far as the, the pending legal battle is concerned. I mean, again, we do think. Um, Twitter still has the upper hand here, um, but it, it's very difficult for us to make a call at this point in time, just given the, the legal battle going on. So we do have a 12-month target price of $42 um, and a hold recommendation. Angelo Zeno, Senior Industry Analyst at CFRA Research based in New York. Coming up next, a Chicago-based trading firm is experiencing a major growth spurt. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The trading firm Headlands Technologies is planning a sizable expansion in downtown Chicago. Let's get the details from Danny Ecker, reporter, Crane Chicago Business. This company setting up shop in the uh, brand new Bank of America Tower at Randolph and Wacker on the shores of the Chicago River. Uh, the building that used to be uh, replaced the General Growth Properties building several years ago. And uh, it's flying in the face of uh, over overwhelming conventional wisdom about uh, not only just uh, trading companies, Danny, but also uh, office space in downtown Chicago. Well, it's certainly, um, it belies the broader trend, certainly, of companies that are shrinking their office footprints um, over during the pandemic with more people working remotely. You've seen more companies say we need less space, but uh, Companies that have a lot more people are planning to really grow their headcount, like Headlands Technologies is, are looking for more space. In this case, uh, this company is leased 45,000 square feet on two of the top three floors at that tower at 110 North Wacker Drive. That's uh, uh, almost triple what it has uh, today, uh, actually just across the river and up the river at uh, 444 West Lake Street. So, um, certainly, uh, it's great news for downtown office landlords, which are struggling with uh, record high vacancy right now. Headlands uh, was founded by some former Citadel executives, and with uh, Citadel now headquartered in Miami, and with uh, Ken Griffin, uh, he's Florida man now. Uh, is this kind of the circle of life happening, where uh, Citadel leaves and then a uh, Citadel protege takes its place? 
Well, these guys left Citadel, you know, a, a dozen years ago. So I'm not sure if there's, you know, much of a connection anymore of that. But, you know, it does see I, the other interesting thing about this, I think, is that, you know, you see some companies that are prioritizing the highest quality space they can because they want to make sure people want to be there. And they're also taking advantage since it's a soft market right now, but they want to, you know, get people to be at work and show up to the office rather than work from home. So, you know, this company is leaving a building uh, at 444 West Lake that is only six years old. It's it's a really, really nice building overlooking the river, but they're taking even newer and nicer updated space at a newer building. Um, and it just shows you, you know, the, the premium that some companies will will pay for that top notch space. Is this a trend uh, with with companies that uh, are committing to downtown office space that because there are so many deals to be had, uh, they can get the newer building or the upper floor or the office suite with the uh, lake views as opposed to uh, look overlooking the L? Well, yeah, I think that, you know, it's there's the, what people call the flight to quality, you know, among uh, uh, companies saying, well, look, if we could take advantage of this, if we can get by with a little less space, but nicer space. Well, maybe it won't actually cost us more money. And uh, we were just seeing, you know, some, in some cases, even competition for uh, space in the best buildings downtown, whereas some of the older or more outdated buildings are, you know, really having a hard time getting any deals done. Danny Ecker, reporter with Crane Chicago Business. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Still ahead in Travel Tuesday, planning a trip for that last big weekend of summer. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Chicago's news traffic and weather station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Another member of the Chicago City Council chooses not to seek re-election. A group of Chinese academics does not agree with the government's extremely tight COVID restrictions. Travel Tuesday looking ahead to that big summer vacation finale, Labor Day weekend. And there are signs the auto industry may be turning the corner from computer chip and supply chain issues. WBBM business, the markets are lower. The Dow is down 374 points. The NASDAQ is down 208. And the S&P 500 is down 56. AccuWeather says plenty of sunshine today, breezy and pleasant with low humidity and a high of 81. 77 degrees right now at 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, 44th Ward Alderman Tom Tunney has announced he will not run for re-election in the Northside Lakeview neighborhood. Tunney was elected to office in 2003 after being appointed to the position the previous year by Mayor Richard M. Daley. Tunney is 68. He's the first openly gay person to serve on the city council and is the sixth member of the city council to announce that they will not seek a return to office. A Chinese think tank disagrees with the ruling Communist Party's severe zero-COVID policy. The Anbound Research Center isn't being specific, but says President Xi Jinping's government needs to focus on shoring up sinking growth. It's noted the US, Europe and Japan are recovering economically after easing anti-disease curbs. Economists have warned China needs to boost growth. 
that has sunk to 2.5% over a year earlier. In the first half of 2022, the antivirus curbs are widely expected to stay in place, at least until after a Communist Party meeting this fall, at which Xi is likely to break with tradition and award himself a third five-year term as leader. I'm Charles Dilatesma. It's 12.32. The noon business hour continues, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Markets are in the red once again. We're joined by Jim Awad, Senior Managing Director with Clearstead Advisors based in New York. Jim, thanks for joining us today. This morning when I woke up and took a look at the futures markets, it looked like the markets were on the cusp of turning that frown upside down, but uh, the sell-off continues today, and uh, anxieties once again kind of uh, bolstered by uh, comments from the president of the New York Fed, John Williams, saying today that uh, they have to get real about interest rates and uh, that more punishment is on the way. Yeah, exactly. This was a case of uh, uh, good news being uh, bad news in that the uh, uh, the job openings, they call it the jolts number, uh, was much stronger than expected, which means that the uh, uh, the economy is still creating jobs at a good rate. In addition, consumer confidence uh, unexpectedly strengthened uh, materially. Uh, you combine that with uh, Fed Williams' uh, Fed, uh, Williams comments, it means that the economy is strong and, and that the Fed is going to have to raise interest rates further and keep them high longer in order to bring inflation down, and that creates worries long-term about corporate profits and recessions. So uh, you're, 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 you're definitely under pressure here, compounded by a little uh, incident off Taiwan where the, um, uh, the, the, the national government there had to shoot down a communist Chinese uh, drone that infiltrated its uh, its space. So a lot of reasons for the market to have uncertainty and be unsettled today. Has the Fed abandoned the talk of a soft landing? Well, it, they, he made no reference to it in his speech last uh, Friday. Uh, at his press conference before that, he made reference to what he called a softish landing. And in this last uh, comment last Friday, he was talking about the pain and unemployment and getting inflation under control. Uh, is going to cause. So the answer to the question is uh, they've certainly retreated from the idea of a soft landing. Is it also possible that uh, all of this discussion uh, on the part of the Fed about uh, engineering conditions in, in the economy so that uh, we do have an economic downturn, uh, will that alone just take the air out of the inflationary balloon. And I'm, I'm just saying this because I'm looking at oil prices right now. There was a bit of a run-up last week after the comments uh, from Saudi Arabia about possibly uh, pulling back on production. But today, uh, WTI, the West Texas Intermediate, uh, that's down almost 6%. And yeah, uh, wholesale gasoline is down substantially, too. Yes. Yeah, so there are a couple of components to inflation. One, obviously, is the supply-demand uh, issue and to the to the extent that the Fed can reduce demand through reducing growth, that will help inflation. Uh, the other is the supply chain, and the supply chain uh, is certainly uh, improving slowly, but it but it is improving. And the third, you have the commodity aspect, and virtually every commodity, uh, including crude oil, has come down substantially uh, from its highs. So it's a multifaceted uh, uh, attack on inflation, and uh, uh, all of them have to come into play. I will say that as the U.S. economy slows, as Europe endures a 
recession uh, this winter uh, due to energy costs and the war in Ukraine. And as China, China struggles with its zero COVID policy, there are all the ingredients for commodity demand to come down. And then as far as uh, the Fed is concerned, uh, how to what degree do they stick with their rhetoric uh, if there actually is a downturn uh, and, and, the, and the numbers are there and the evidence is there? Uh, do they stick with this uh, interest rate hiking rhetoric or do they reverse course quickly? Yeah, no, they, their credibility is really on the line. They made a huge mistake last year, and the worst thing they could do now uh, is pivot too early to get scared about the economy or the financial markets and then have to inflation to uh, reaccelerate. So uh, I think the risk here is that uh, to regain their, their credibility, they, they overshoot and stay, uh, stay tighter longer than the economics would warrant and that therefore they, uh, they aggravate whatever weakness we're going to have in the economy. Jim Awad, Senior Managing Director with Clearstead Advisors based in New York. Coming up next in Travel Tuesday, a preview of Labor Day weekend trips. Money Matters. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Travel Tuesday, and this afternoon we're looking ahead to the last hurrah of summer, Labor Day weekend. We welcome in Cindy Richards, Editor-in-Chief of TravelingMom.com, based in Chicago. Cindy, thanks for joining us today. Day. And uh, I will be a statistic come uh, Friday morning. Uh, Mrs. Hart and our three kids are uh, flying down to uh, Disney World bright and early on uh, Friday at Midway. So if you see me in the coffee line, uh, please uh, let me get to the front. Um, but the one thing I'm concerned about, and I'm sure a lot of other travelers are concerned about, is coming back on Monday. And that if there is uh, some sort of wrench in the works in our airline system, there will be a cascade of cancellations. And uh, what do you do? How should you prepare uh, if you get that text from your airline saying, uh, sorry, it's a no-go, you got to rebook? Well, you know, these days the answer to everything travel-related is flexibility. So I think you should have a backup plan. I absolutely think that you should... Um, go to your airline and read what something is something that's called the contract of carriage to find out what your rights are. You know, with uh, the transportation department, the U.S. transportation department turning a real focus on airline delays and cancellations, things are changing rapidly and customers have a little more control than they ever did. So know what your rights are. So if you get to the airport in Orlando and you find out your flight's been canceled or you've been rebooked, you'll know what your what you can ask for. I don't say demand because it wasn't the poor person at the gate who made that change for you. So don't take it out on her or him. Um, but be ready to know what your your chances are, what your options are, and what your rights are. And thankfully, we had a dress rehearsal. I, mean, I say thankfully in the loosest sense. We had kind of a dress rehearsal for this last week. Uh, my wife and I were in New York for a wedding, and uh, we did get the uh, cancellation text from a big Dallas-based airline that loves to fly out of Midway. And uh, we had to rebook on uh, any flight out of the East Coast, basically, uh, to get home to our kids that day. And the end result was they booked us out of uh, Washington uh, that evening. All we had to do was get there by train, which was what we did. So we had the, we had the plan B in mind. We had the ability to be flexible, and we were able to uh, make our flight back to the city. Uh, different story, though, uh, if you're uh, flying out of Orlando or some other cities where you don't have that ability to get to a nearby airport in a timely manner. 
Actually, there is another airport in Orlando. You should know that. Um, it's, uh, um, it's about an hour outside of Orlando, and it flies a lot of the discount car- car- carriers. Just like if you're flying to Dallas, you can fly into Love Field instead of DFW. So you do have some other options. You should know that. But you also, a real key here, download your app. Whatever the airline is you're flying, make sure you have that app on your phone because that's usually the fastest way to get service. If there's a problem, you want to get in the physical line while somebody else is wrangling the children, and you want to get on the phone while you're working the app. So somebody should be on the phone, somebody should be on the app, somebody should be standing in the line, because one of those is going to be the fastest way to get you to the information and the new flight that you need. And also, this is no time to check a bag. I can't say this often enough. I am a big believer in the carry-on. Right now, embrace the carry-on. You're only going for a weekend. So uh, every everybody who buys a seat gets a little overhead bin space. Um, make sure you can uh, keep your bags with you. So if you end up having to take a train to D.C. instead of getting on your flight, you have all your stuff with you that you're going to need on the trip. And make sure that you have your iPads charged and ready so the kids have something to watch while you are uh, refreshing the app or in the customer service line. The number one most important thing to pack, especially if you're traveling with kids, is a power strip because you get to the gate. There's never enough plugs for everybody. It's getting better, but there's still never enough plugs. You can go and ask somebody to unplug one of their plugs, plug in your power strip, plug their plug into your power strip, and then plug everything the kids have that they need to charge up right there in one, with one plug at the gate. And You'll be a hero. And can't uh, reiterate this enough, uh, be nice to uh, whoever you're dealing with because they didn't cancel the flight. Cindy Richards, editor-in-chief of TravelingMom.com, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. Join us at this time tomorrow for Personal Finance Wednesday. And still to come, an update on logistical and computer chip challenges in the auto industry. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The latest numbers appear to show a ray of light as the auto industry deals with a computer chip and shortage and supply chain difficulties. Let's get an update now from Matt Jones, auto industry analyst and spokesman at TrueCar based in Los Angeles. Matt, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Is that really a light at the end of the tunnel or does someone have their brights on? Uh, No, it is a light at the end of the tunnel. It's a small light, but it is looking like things are actually getting a little bit better for the industry some of the things that have slowed the industry down over the past couple months and, you know, past two years seem to be starting to right themselves as far as inventory and incentives and the like. So it is a light at the end of the tunnel. Total new vehicle industry sales in August uh, expected to be up slightly from July and up 9% from a year ago. And uh, used vehicle sales up 4% from July, but down 17% from last year. But it sounds like uh, if people want to buy a new car, they can find one. Yeah, it is certainly getting better. And I think uh, you hit the key points up month over month. Uh, but still down, you know, in some key categories uh, from what people are used to, you know, traditionally. So we're still not going to be inundated with tons and tons of cars when we go to visit lots, but it's not going to be quite as bad as it has been uh, for the past few months. And I think that should be really encouraging to car buyers and sellers.
And then what about the long-term effects of uh, the investment in American chip manufacturing? There have been a lot of announcements about uh, uh, building American chip plants and uh, federal efforts to really invest in that. Uh, What type of long-term effects will that have on the auto industry so we don't have to deal with this type of shortage again? I think that is really the hope. Uh, We want to get ourselves into a position where we're not so reliant upon uh, outside manufacturing, and you're going to see some more of that uh, in other factors of automotive in the upcoming years. Um, But, you know, one of the things with automotive for us to keep in mind is although we might make uh, a declaration today, it may it may take a few years for it to come to fruition, but hopefully this will provide, you know, some coverage uh, to stop us from having anything that, like what we've seen, you know, since uh, 2020 and 2021. Is there a particular type of vehicle that is recovering faster than others? We, we are seeing uh, some growth with the Hyundai and Kia brands, um, not only just some growth because of inventory, but because of some fresh uh, models, uh, which seem to be pulling people into to showrooms. Uh, one of the hottest cars in the market for a long time has been the Kia Telluride and the uh, Hyundai Palisade. Uh, so, those, so those brands seem to be doing pretty well. Some other brands are, are, are catching up. Some other brands are still stuck with, with other problems that are, you know, uh, directly related to the supply chain. Uh, but it's not one segment of car. It just seems to be a few brands that are uh, separating themselves, either for you know good or for bad. Thanks for the insight. Matt Jones, auto industry analyst and spokesman with True Car, based in Los Angeles. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.